Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Let's Talk Tribe. This is your host, Jason Lucart. Uh, this is episode nine of the podcast. Last time when we talked a week ago, uh, the Indians were coming off taking two or three from the Twins and heading into a big series with the A's. Uh, one of the teams are trying to chase down for a playoff spot. That series didn't go so well as the Tribe lost two of three. Uh, and then the road trip concluded down in Anaheim. Uh, and the Indians were able to get a sweep of the Angels, their first sweep in uh, in Anaheim since 1999. And uh, that puts them only two and a half games back of Oakland now for the second wild card spot with uh, Tampa Bay. The Indians are four back of Tampa Bay. And if you want to dream big, they're only five games back of the Tigers in the Central. But I've shut that part of my brain off for now. But we'll see. Uh, anyway, it was a... Uh, Again, the first sweep since 1999 in Anaheim, and I had a post at Let's Go Tribe today looking at the last time the Indians swept all of the other American League teams, except for the Astros, who just joined the league this year. And uh, with this sweep, they've now swept all of the other teams at least once in the last five years, except for the Yankees, the hated, hated Yankees, who the Indians haven't swept since 1989, and they haven't swept them in Cleveland since 1970, which was incredibly depressing. But uh, they've now swept four AL West teams this year. They swept the A's earlier this year. Uh, they swept the Mariners and the Rangers and now the Angels. And they hadn't swept all four of those teams in the same season since 1980. So anyway, good things happening right now. Uh, the Tribe return home. They're, they're off tonight, Thursday night. But tomorrow, Friday night, they start a series with the Twins, uh, one of the teams I think we can all agree that the Indians are better than. So really the Indians ought to be taking two of three from this series to keep their momentum going. Another sweep would be fantastic. Um, we'll see. Hopefully they keep gaining ground. Anyway, my guest this week uh, can be found all over the internet. He's a designated columnist for SB Nation. He's the co-founder of the Platoon Advantage, one of my favorite baseball blogs. And he's the recent ruiner of not graphs, the, uh, I don't know if that's considered a cousin or sister of fan graphs. Uh, but my guest this week is Mike Bates. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, my understanding is that uh, Nockraft is the uh, brother that no one acknowledges that's kept up in the <laughs> attic of Fangraphs. That's good. And there's, I think there, there's beer graphs now, too. And I saw on Twitter someone was saying it's only a matter of time before there's cat graphs and all of the other big Internet topics are going to have to have their own member of the Fangraphs family eventually. I think BuzzFeed's already got uh, cat grass. <laughs> um, so. so you, I like to, just to kind of lay some foundation, uh, how and when did you first become a baseball fan? Uh, well, I, the earliest I can remember is uh, in the mid-'80s. I think I went to my first game probably, the first game that I remember going to would have been in 1986 at the Metrodome. I grew up in the Twin Cities. Um, and, of course, the next year, 
the Twins won the World Series, and I was I was pretty well hooked at that point. Um, you know, watching Kirby Puckett and Tom Berdansky and Ken Herbeck and Frank Viola um, and those guys, and then in 1991, uh, when Puckett and Herbeck and, and everybody else uh, won another World Series, you know, I I was long gone. Um, so. You know, grew up a Twins fan, and and uh, after really exciting first couple of years as a baseball fan, uh, had eight really long sad years. <laughs> yeah, I as an Indians fan, I, I know what the long dry spell goes goes like. Uh, actually, growing up, uh, I've said on here a couple times, I be, I became an Indians fan sort of randomly because they were my T-ball team. Um, but so growing up in Chicago as an Indians fan before the internet, before cable, or at least before cable in my home. It's not like I ever got to really watch the Indians that much. And so I had a pretty broad interest. And Kirby Puckett was actually my favorite player growing up. I had like 200 and I think 284 Kirby Puckett baseball cards when I was a kid. So he was my guy. That's very impressive. <laughs> I'm sure I probably still have them if my mom hasn't gotten rid of them. Um, you can't trust moms with baseball cards. They, they, I, I, when I relocated permanently uh, to to Madison, Wisconsin, where I now live. Uh, I brought all my baseball cards with me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to play it cool. I actually have all of my, not all of my, but I have all of my important baseball cards in my apartment right now, too. I wouldn't let my mom throw them away. <laughs> um, so you, you're still, I mean, you still consider yourself a, a big Twins fan? Still do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm, Looking forward to you guys beating up on us this weekend. <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I assume you came into this season with pretty low expectations for the Twins. Absolutely. Um, I, uh, you know, it's been a, a rough couple of years, but um, I think, I think finally this year I accepted there was there was really no matter how optimistic uh, I could have been. Uh, there was no way uh, this team was finishing above 500, and really, I had them pegged for somewhere around 95 losses. So uh, I think they're they're on their way there potentially. Uh, still, uh, it, it's it's not been a good year, but then I think a lot of uh, what's interesting about the Twins is really pointed toward toward the future, toward. Uh, 2015 and 2016, uh, and uh, I'll I'll be patient. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, as I said in the intro, I mean, you, you write, you do a ton of baseball writing in a, in a lot of different outlets right now, and, and your writing certainly is, is not just focused on the Twins. Um, so you seem to follow all of baseball pretty closely. Um, what's your what's your take on the American League right now, when the, the wild card race or the different playoff races? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I thought the um... – the Indians had a great off season this year. Um, and actually one of the posts that I wrote um, for let's go tribe actually was about Kyle Loesch and how, after they signed Michael right. Bourne, they really needed to target Kyle Loesch to improve their rotation and, um, and really solidify uh, their wild card uh, hopes. And I think, you know, uh, and they've had better pitching than I expected them to, but at the same time, uh, having somebody like Loesch would have really, uh, helped them a lot this year, uh, and I think would have made it a, a lot more competitive in the wild card race. I, I 
I really don't. Uh, I, I, looking at the front runners right now, um, you know, we've got. Uh, I think the Tigers are are definitely going to take the Central, um, and I have. And between the the other four clubs in the East and the West, the the Red Sox, the Rays, the Rangers, and the A's, um, you know, I kind of expect all four of those to make it. Um, I'd really like to see the Indians in there, especially because I, uh, like I say, I really liked their offseason. I liked what they did to build their team this year. Um, but you know, I, it's it, they're going up against four really good clubs uh, over the course yeah. of the rest. I think the advantage they have, and I think most Indians fans feel like this, is if they get in, it's going to be because after the next couple weeks, their schedule's pretty easy, Um, Mm. certainly easier than the teams in the East who are going to sort of beat up on each other in theory. Um, And Oakland's got a kind of a tough stretch coming up, and they'll play the Rangers more later. Yeah, I feel like the Indians have a little less talent than those other teams, and if I were betting, I don't think I'd bet on the Indians. But if before the season started, you offered me two and a half games out of a playoff spot with six weeks left, I certainly would have taken it. Um, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, this has been a great, um, you know, a, a great turnaround for this club. And I'm really, um, you know, I'm really excited that the AL Central is uh, not just a doormat, uh, for the rest of the league, uh, it's it's nice to see three winning teams in that division right now. Um, you know, as bad as the Twins and the White Sox have been, uh, the Twins at least are a team that's um, that's got a bright future ahead of it. I hope. Um, so you know, it's it's it, it it can be really demoralizing to see you know the the AL East beat up on everybody every year, but. Um, you know, this year, uh, at least, it, it seems like we've had we, the the division itself has taken some real steps forward. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, the Royals sort of put a lot of eggs in this year's basket, and I don't know. I guess you could debate whether it's paying off or not. Um, sure. I wouldn't have traded Will Myers. I'd be bummed out if I were a Royals fan to watch what he's done in Tampa Bay since getting called up. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, they've got a winning record with a few weeks left in the season, and they haven't had many of those lately. So, I, I mean, I, don't, I can't totally begrudge them for what they did. Um, right. You know, I think I think they would look a lot better if they hadn't given so much playing time to Jeff Francoeur, if they'd had, you know, just a competent right fielder uh, yeah. for, for so much of the season. Um, that really – killed them for a long time but you know i think uh, second i think it's second base they've gotten pretty horrible production from too so yeah a couple of real dead weight spots yeah but i mean they got good production out of of james shields uh wade davis hasn't been i mean i don't think his um i don't think his raw numbers look that great but if you look at his uh fielding independent numbers they look a little better um you know, I mean, he's got a 5.43 ERA. That sucks a lot. But, uh, like I said, his fielding independent numbers are a lot better. And, um, you know, I think they have gotten at least a decent amount of value out of that Will Myers trade for what they wanted. Um, I, 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 like you, probably wouldn't have made that deal and probably would rather have Will Myers going forward. But, 
you know, based on what their goals were, um, they certainly have gotten a lot out of uh, both that trade and the one to get Irvin Santana this offseason. So um, that those were unexpectedly really good deals for Dayton Moore. Right. So you mentioned, you know, being happy to see, you know, if, if the Indians are able to get into the playoffs. Are you – do you tend to, to pull for AL Central teams if the Twins are out of it, or is there anyone you can't bring yourself to cheer for just as a rival? What are, uh, what, what are you? What do your interests lie when, when the Twins aren't in contention? Uh, mostly to, to to see cool stories. So, I mean, like the Indians would be great because of their turnaround. Uh, the Tigers have had um, – you know, they, I, there was a really, really great story last week about one of, something they've done. They did for a fan who was going through a, a yeah. fairly difficult time, and and uh, and I thought that was really tremendous. Uh, although I really hate to see Tory Hunter be happy at all. Um, <laughs> I I I absolutely can't root for the Rays. Um, I I don't enjoy following them anymore. I you know I, they're a tremendous organization. They do great work um they're they're always successful i love underdog stories um but they this is something i've written about a couple of times is i just i don't like the players they have uh you know i know we all want to be objective especially those of us who like numbers uh we all want to be objective and 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 certainly i praise them for building a really good team uh for so many years in a row on such a small budget uh, but you know, you, you start employing guys like uh, like Josh Lukey or like yep. you know Escobar. Uh, they just they just today signed Delman Young. Um, you know these these aren't. You know I, I I don't like to throw around labels like bad guys, but these are guys who have done really bad things. Uh, yeah. And I can't root for that. It, it takes me out of the game that I really enjoy watching to just escape from real life. Yeah, I, I find, especially as a grown-up, I prefer to know as little as possible about players, like, off the line. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure, you know, like like any group of this segment of the population, some of them are going to be really great guys. Some of them are going to be really horrible guys. I feel like, Absolutely. if anything, the average baseball player is maybe – it's probably less mature than the average adult. Uh, and maybe that leads to some of the off field, you know, not that you want to chalk something as bad as, you know, what, what Josh Lukey's done up to immaturity. Um, right. But yeah, I, I'd be just as happy to, to, to see them just as players. And more often than not for me anyway, the off field stuff is more likely to kind of turn me off to them than make me a bigger fan. Yeah, you know, as as somebody who really loved Kirby Puckett growing up, and and you you are yeah. a fellow traveler in that, you know, he was he was universally lauded as this great guy, and then after his career, uh, some stuff came out about some bad stuff right. he's done. Uh, it, you know, it it was fairly jarring. Uh, even though at that point, I think I had gotten over a lot of my hero worship of of baseball players, but. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and I don't. I certainly don't see ball players as idols or as really any different from the rest of the population. But at the same time, when you do stuff that's that bad, um, yeah, and you, you you continue to employ these guys, and and don't get me wrong, like this is a real this is a winning strategy for them. They identify these guys as 
seriously undervalued in the league right now, and they're getting them for a song. Um, I, I can't, I can't argue with that from a competitive standpoint, but aesthetically, as I watch them, uh, I don't like it. So, you know, that, good for them. I, I wish them luck, but I'm, I can't root for them anymore. <laughs> yeah, the AL East is, is generally, I think, my least favorite division, which has more to do with the Yankees than anything else. But, uh, yeah, well, come playoff you don't have to worry about that. What's that? I said the good news is you don't have to worry about that this year. Well, I <laughs> probably not. I I can't quite – I'm too big a sports pessimist to totally write them off yet. Um, but, yeah, certainly things don't look good. Things looked a lot worse for them a, a week or two ago before Soriano got in the time machine after being traded back there. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, probably they won't be in the playoffs. Not good. Um but yeah, I, I, if, if the Indians aren't in the playoffs, it's for me kind of uh, there's more teams I don't want to win than particular teams I'll be rooting for. Um, as a Twins fan, I, I, I would think a big story for you or a big topic on your mind is the Joe Maurer situation. He's on the uh, the, the seven-day DL for a concussion right now. Um, do you have concerns about him going forward, either because of the concussion or just catching in general? Um, I was talking with 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 Bill, uh, the your co-founder of the Platoon Advantage on Twitter this week, um, my, and he was saying he's like a life mate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, he was saying that he wants to see Maurer moved off catcher. Um, yeah, I saw that. At first, he, he threw out third base and then said, you know, maybe outfield. You know, He's a great athlete. Uh, you know, I think he was, you know, like an all-state football and basketball player in addition to baseball. Um, but, well, yeah, so anyway, what is, position what, what's your Joe Maurer feeling these days? Uh, well, he, Bill's right. He is a tremendous athlete. I mean, he did – he was offered a scholarship to – and I believe he accepted the scholarship before he signed with the Twins to be the quarterback at, at Florida State or a quarterback at Florida State. Right. Um, so I mean he's a tremendous, uh, tremendous athlete. Uh, I'm incredibly uh, worried about Joe Maurer, and it's primarily the, the concussions at this point because the knee. The Twins have done a really good job, I think, over the last two years of limiting his exposure at catcher and, and uh, resting him. Uh, but you know, a concussion scare the hell out of me, especially after uh, what happened to Justin Morneau in 2010, right. and what eventually you know ended up being. Uh, you know, a lost two, two and a half seasons for him. Uh, right. And he's only just now getting back to a shadow of his, of his former self. Um, you know, it, 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 it does really worry me that he's going to continue to take a beating like that. Um, as for whether or not I want to move him off the position, I think it's a really complicated question. Uh, and I think it's especially complicated uh, based on what the team is expecting go- going forward. You know, as an Indian fan, you've got uh, Carlos Santana on your team. And so you guys are, are very well aware of how much extra value he provides when he's squatting behind the plate as opposed to when he's playing first base or DHing. Um, you know, the, the good news with Joe Maurer is that he's such a good hitter. Um, that he could go just about anywhere and and maintain a lot of his value because um, that on-base percentage will play anywhere. I mean, he could go to first base and be a, a yeah. 
a John Olerud type, uh, which is a great player. Um, I uh, I like Bill since he could probably handle third base or or he could probably handle the outfield. Uh, I'd like to see him in right field if he's not going to catch. But, uh, you know, I also think uh, if the Twins think they might have a shot at competing next year, they might want to start out with him behind the plate and see what they can get out of him. Um, and and then if again they they're faltering, uh, then limit his workload back there. Okay. Um, you know I I think they owe it to uh, themselves, especially in light of the contract that he signed, uh, to try to wring as much value out of him as possible. And at the moment. Um, until there's a, a, a real compelling reason to get him out from behind the plate, um, I think you, you you stick with that as much as possible and as much as you're comfortable with. Right. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Carlos Santana, who, um, you know, in a totally different situation, got his leg taken out from under him a few years ago and missed most of a season. Um, right. And ever since then, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, should should he be moved to another person? And he actually, I mean, he catches probably four times a week. Um, he can play some first base and DHs. Um, but, I mean, really, for almost the entirety of his career, there's been that talk about him. And I think the two big differences between he and Maurer are uh, Santana's a good hitter and Maurer's a great hitter. Um, you know, Santana's bat is – solid for a first baseman or a DH, but not spectacular. Whereas for a catcher, you know, his on base percentage, uh, I mean, you know, Maurer's about the only one better. Whereas, as you said, you know, Maurer, you can put him anywhere in his bat plays. And then the other big thing is uh, Santana's a pretty bad defensive catcher. Um, And if anything seems to be getting worse, not better. And uh, Jan Gomes, who's probably started the year as, kind of the third string catcher, but then kind of moved up to second string, but he's been playing two, three times a week um, and hitting the crap out of the ball and a much better defensive catcher. And uh, so I I think there's starting to be a stronger sense that because he's a better defender, that at least unless the Indians go out and get another bat, you know, that you can have Swisher in right field and Santana at first or Swisher at first and Santana DHing. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what both teams do. And I actually saw it today, and I don't know that it was someone who would know anything. I can't remember whose article it was, but someone who was writing about, you know, would, are the Giants going to consider moving Buster Posey, who, like Santana, got his legs taken out and missed most of the season. Um, but like you said, you know, a, a player gives you a lot more value if you can keep him behind the plate. And I think for teams like the Twins and the Giants and the Indians, that's kind of a you know, it's an interesting tightrope for them to have to walk and decide what they want to do about it. Well, yeah, especially when the team is, has been as bad as the Twins. You know, that's <laughs> that extra value is uh, is nice. Uh, they're desperate right. for wins, and you know, I I think um, you know you also have to consider. You bring up Young Gomes and his his really surprising and incredible success this year. Um, you know, the Twins have a couple of backup catchers in uh, Ryan Domit and Chris Herman. Um, I think you also have to consider who else is in the organization. And for the Twins, you know, uh, Domit is, is 
you know, he's caught regularly in the past, but he's a terrible defensive catcher, just abysmal. And uh, and he hasn't hit much this year. Um, and Herman is, you know, maybe a third catcher in an outfield. Um, so we're not talking about guys who who could or should push or off the position. Um, you know, the Twins are simply better with Joe Maurer behind the plate. And if they don't have somebody credible who can replace him, well then, you know, I, I think I think they're better off sticking with him as much as they can. But those guys are good enough that they can play, like you said, three times a week and, and spell Maurer, and that's, that's in the Twins strategy all year, too. Maurer's only started uh, 73 out of 126 games behind the plate. So, uh, yeah. like I said, they've done a, they've done a good job resting him. Well, so, okay, so talking about Maurer going forward kind of segues into, let's say, you know, the the, the, the Twins and the AL Central uh, in general. You said earlier that, you know, being a Twins fan this year is more about kind of looking down the road a couple of years. Um, Twins have what, I mean, if not the best, I would think like top two or three farm systems in terms of, uh, you know, what's expected of their prospects. Um, so are you fairly optimistic in, that in a couple of years the Twins are going to be a legit contender again? I think they have a real, uh, a real excellent shot at it. I mean, especially because uh, this division tends to be fairly cyclical. Um, you know, I think uh, I think you're right about the the quality of the farm system, and I would I would rate it as the top system in the big leagues, um, and certainly has the best impact prospects of any um, organization out there. I think. Uh, between Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano, uh, you've got two uh, two of the five best prospects. I know mo- uh, most uh, prospect observers, uh, especially given the uh, the struggles of Trevor Bauer or not Trevor Bauer, uh, the, uh, Oscar Tavares uh, right. this year. Yeah, the the ankle uh, injury that he's had in the Cardinals system uh, are are putting Buxton as the number one prospect in baseball. Yeah, uh, I think I'd agree with that, and I think that they're they're just two really excellent talents um, who will play and will play well in the majors. Uh, but the Twins also have a really great secondary guys who would be ranked really highly in other systems too. Um, guys like Eddie Rosario. Uh, Oswaldo Arcia uh, really catapulted himself this year um, onto the major league roster and has had a really solid rookie campaign. Um, guys like Pal Gibson are going to be around and presumably better in, in yeah, another year removed from Tommy John. Um, and the, the Twins have finally started to get some hard throwers in the system as well. Uh, Alex Meyer has had a very strong season at, at A ball and uh, just got promoted to double A. Uh, Trevor May has been all right at Double A. Um, I'm trying not to fall too much in love with Jose Barrios uh, down in uh, Low A uh, in the Midwest League, but uh, I'm I'm really having trouble not not <laughs> not like adopting him forever. Um, yeah, you know, pitcher pitcher attrition rates are incredibly high though, right. and the Twins the Twins have basically those three guys as as viable oh and Cole Stewart, who they just drafted uh in their system as potential starters down the line 
Um, you know, the attrition rate is high for the for pitchers though, and uh, it takes a while for guys like Barrios and guys like uh, Colt Stewart to make their way through the system. Uh, you talking about them the- finally having some hard throwers. I feel like the Indians and Twins have both sort of struggled to develop, um, you know, high end starting pitchers. Uh, the Indians, yeah. Sabathia is really the last one they had, and so when they traded for Trevor Bauer, there was so much excitement, and he's been a pretty big disappointment. But then Danny Salazar this year, who was a little, you know, who was lower on prospect lists. Um, right. But it's been so long since the Indians have had someone throw 97, 98 miles per hour. And he struck out, I think, 17 hitters in his first two starts. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a totally different kind of excitement than having a pitcher, you know, Justin Masterson's solid, but it's hard to picture him being spectacular. Whereas someone with Salazar stuff, um, you know, who knows what becomes of him, but you can at least picture him being a legitimately dominant starter and not just a solid one. Uh, yeah, no, this, so, yeah, this, this is one interesting of the, to see if, go ahead. No, yeah, this is, this is one of the great things in, in 2006 when I was, when we got to see, uh, Francisco Liriano come up in the, in the wake of the, uh, Gage Brzezinski trade a few years before. Um, you know, Francisco Liriano comes up and, and just absolutely dominates in 2006. Now, the future for Francisco Liriano was not nearly as bright as, as perhaps we wanted it to be. Uh, but well, unless know, you fast that, forward to this year when he's been right, <laughs> right. Well, but but the the excitement that he generated uh, sure. that year was really amazing. I think he won 12 games in a row at one point. Um, I was there for one of them, and, and the the Metrodome was absolutely packed. Uh, yeah, actually, so it was it was it, it's really tremendous when you get one of those guys come up out of nowhere. Um, and uh, you know, Danny Salazar was a huge surprise to me, but you know, really, Justin Masterson has surprised me this year as well, uh, as he's been a real workhorse and he's uh, he's really. Uh, controlled his struggles against left-handed hitters and uh you know uh, he's when he can do that and he's tremendous and that he can keep the ball on the ground yeah. and that's you wonderful. alluded to earlier the indians pitching their their rotation has has been a really pleasant surprise i mean they were uh i remember writing a post it was one of the first things i wrote at let's go tribe uh about sort of how historically bad the indians rotation was last year i don't remember the numbers oh, off the it was top terrible. Of you know, their the, the worst ERA plus for the starting rotation in team history and, like, the seventh worst in baseball history. Um, and they've really every, – almost everyone's been better. You know, Masterson's gone from having a down year to a pretty good year. Abalo Jimenez, who still gets a lot of grief from Indians fans, but he's actually kind of quietly – he doesn't go very deep into games, but his ERA in the last four months is, like, 3.2. And the peripherals don't really match that, but – the fact is, you know, he's not giving up a lot of runs. Um, so, yeah, that's been a pleasant surprise. I look at the Indians going forward, and I worry they don't have a great farm system. Uh, they have Francisco Lindor, who's almost as highly rated, maybe as highly rated as, uh, you know, the Twins top two. You know, he's another top five or six guy. Um, and Clint Frazier, their first-round pick this year, has been – destroying the ball in the Arizona league. And so everyone's getting excited about him. Um, 
I think the Indians at least have, you know, clearly a better roster right now than the Twins, but I don't think they have as much coming in the pipeline. What I think will be interesting is what happens with the Tigers in the next couple of years. Um, if they maintain this payroll, if it dips, I think Max Scherzer's only got one year left. Um, I mean, supposedly yeah, Illich is just – I mean, they'll re-sign him. I mean, as long as Illich is alive uh, and in control of that team, you know, he seems really bent on – uh, spending as much as he needs to in order to bring a, a world championship uh, to Detroit. And uh, so I here's think... what I here's a hypothetical because that's what you yeah. hear, and I, and I think it's true. You know, he really desperately wants to win a World Series, and he'll spend what it takes. If the Tigers win the World Series this year, does the urgency to spend money diminish, and then maybe they don't sign Scherzer after next year, or? If they win, is it let's keep this going and, you know, he continues to spend. Um, and certainly, you know, I don't have the answer, but I think it's an interesting thought exercise anyway. It is, but at the same time, you know, playing deep into the postseason is immensely profitable for a major league team. Uh, right. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers, despite their large payroll, are actually uh, actually made money uh, this year. Uh, I think you know, and last year as well, um, you know, they have a, a really strong team. It's a, it's a team that generates excitement with the big names that it has. Right. Um, I, I haven't looked at their attendance numbers uh, this year, but it looks like they have their third in attendance, um, which is really impressive if you consider, you know, Detroit is generally considered a, a tough economy. Uh, yeah, but the the Tigers draw well. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me uh, if they maintained this level of spending for another couple seasons and and did sign Max Scherzer to uh, to a long term extension. Um, I, you know, I think it lasts at least another two years uh, when when Cabrera's yeah. I mean, they're not particularly old either. Um, you know, their best players aren't young, but they're not so old that you would expect them to fall apart in the next year or two. No, they are, they are weird body types. Uh, you know, Victor (laughs) Martinez is a DH now. Uh, Prince Fielder is oddly shaped. Uh, you know, I don't really know how to put that. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a big dude and, you know, I don't know how that's going to age. Um, Miguel Cabrera is a really good first baseman for a third baseman. Um, you know, it's it, it's fairly questionable how uh, these players are going to – I have questions about how these players are going to evolve um, and how they are going to replace some of the guys. Because they won't keep everybody, but I think they'll keep the vast majority of, of the core together for as long as they can. Uh, yeah. And I have real questions about how those players are going to age. All right. Well, then two two last predictions from you before you go. Uh, for the Twins, what's the next year the Twins make the playoffs? Um. You know, I was trying to talk myself into 2014 the other day. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I can realistically make that prediction. Um, I have a, I have a grandmother who's 95, and I wanted to be like, oh, but just wait, just wait until next year. Uh, I don't think I can make that argument to her. 
you know, I think it's a, I think it's 2015 at the earliest, um, maybe even 2016 by the time uh, Cole Stewart debuts and the Twins have, you know, a, a starting rotation that really um, can keep up with all their hitting prospects. Yeah. And then AL this year, who are the five playoff teams? AL this year, you know, I think I'd probably go with the uh, – the five in control right now. I think they are the best yeah. teams in the league. The Red Sox, the Rays, the Tigers, Rangers, and A's. Um, and I don't know how those four uh, clubs in the AL East and the, NL, and the AL West are going to uh, distribute themselves. In terms first of wild card, who takes wild yeah. card? But I, I, I do think those four are, are are really in the driver's seat as far as those four playoff spots go. You know, it's really interesting. I I almost wonder whether that uh, second wild card is, is actually working, um, given that, uh, you know, I, I think we, we may have a better race for the, for the, uh, for a one wild card scenario than we would for a two wild card scenario this year. Yeah, and I think that's just going to be year to year what what the good race is or would have been. Um, right, right. That's a good point. It's absolutely a good point. All right, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. This has been fun. We should do it again yeah. sometime. Please, and, uh, anytime. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you on the Internet. Talk to you All later. Right. Sounds good, Jason. Take care, bro. That was Mike Bates, again, who you can find him at SB Nation, uh, Platoon Advantage, over at Notgrass, and uh, probably some other places I'm not thinking of right now either. Uh, anyway, the Twins and Indians kick off their series at Progressive Field Friday night. Uh, for the Indians, uh, at least for right now, the scheduled starters, uh, Jimenez Friday, who, as I said, uh, has, has been better than you maybe think uh, for a few months now. Kazmir, who's not been great recently and I'm sort of concerned about. And then Zach McAllister Sunday, uh, who just came, coming off a really good performance. Uh, and it would be really big for the Indians to at least take two or three because after the series, they go back on the road to Atlanta and then Detroit, who are, you know, two of the three or four best teams in baseball. Uh, so that's going to be a tough week after this weekend. So it's really important the Indians – keep some momentum right now. And uh, if they can get through that week in Atlanta and Detroit and still be within two or three games, I think they'll have a real shot in September. The schedule does get easier and uh, it'd be exciting to, to have a legitimate contending team to follow through September after a couple of August collapses the last two years. Anyway, uh, this has been Let's Talk Tribe and we'll talk again next week. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed.
New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.